It's Beelis Daily from the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios across the MBR Radio Network. Maddie and Wing with you here on a, a snowy Tuesday. And the best way, we've discovered that the best way to cure the snow blues is to realize that we are not that far away from baseball, professional baseball, being played within our state and within our region of New England. So we bring on the voice of the Portland Sea Dogs now, Mike Antonellis. Mike, how many days until opening day at Hadlock Field? Uh, let's see. So Thursday will mark four weeks. So I, I'm in the you know the three week mindset because we open on the road and that's when I start. But uh, four weeks from Thursday, so thirty days. So see, we are less than we, we are less it. than a month. Less we than a month. We're going to be. It's it's all going to be good. All will be fine. I can't wait for media day. I can't wait for all of it. Good stuff. Um, sheesh. So you you didn't have to go to the office today. I guess that was a nice thing, right, Mike? Yeah, that was that was the second time in a week that we've had the office closed, and uh, it's tough down there because it's a parking van uh, parking spot actually for the Portland residents, our stadium. So, oh, that's right. Yeah, so it's fun watching them dig their cars out tomorrow, and and uh, but you know I have a lot to do. We all have a lot to do, so working at home isn't bad either. You get to lounge around and of course talk to you guys. Right. I mean, maybe throw on Nothing the WWE Network in the background or something. Whatever you want to do, you know, yeah. whatever, whatever can happen. More TV there. watching than work, to be honest. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. It's good. Now, have you been down yet, or do you go down soon? Yeah, I go down uh, this week, uh, Sunday. So I'll be there for a week. So looking forward to that and seeing some games and just uh, the crack of the bat and is the best sound and. I tell people this all the time. When those doors open out of the airport in Florida and you feel that air, it's, it's just uh, it's something that never gets old. It's almost like a, it's like a, a refresh, a rejuvenation. You know, it's like uh, it, it, you just know at that point good things are happening. Um, yeah, spring training's fun. I mean, you get to watch games close, you know, behind the fence. I mean, I know they don't count, but there is a lot of, a lot of parts of it that are fun. You know, watching games in the backfields and watching drills. There's a lot that I think fans go down and enjoy a lot more than they think just from watching clips. It might look boring to watch on Twitter, but it is, it's pretty fun when you're down there. Do you, do you ever see a drill that you've never seen before? Uh, not really. I mean, most of the stuff is maybe done in a different version, but uh, a lot of it's kind of the same stuff that they do. Um, but, you know, every year there's, I think, a different variation of something, but not, nothing too crazy. Anything uh, roster-wise so far uh, with the Red Sox that surprised you at all, or is everything kind of kind of uh, played out the way you've expected it so far with guys going here and this guy being reassigned to minor league camp and that guy staying with the the club for a little bit longer? Any any surprises thus far for you? No, I, don't, I think nowadays it's changed where you kind of know which guys are going to be there. I, I think that there could be some surprises in the bullpen. There's to talk that maybe uh, Rowenis Elias could get that spot over Robbie Scott. And I, I know a lot of us that uh, are involved with the Sea Dogs and have watched Blake Swihart play. I mean, I'm not surprised. I've always been against him getting traded. I've always felt that he's a big league player. He can be, I think he can still be a middle-of-the-order guy. But he's probably surprising people because he has a chance to make this club as a utility guy. And he's just been hurt. Uh, I think... We'll see what happens with him. I, I think he's too good to be a utility player, and we'll see if the Red Sox, they're in a tough hand too because I think he can help them, and you give up some, someone like that. You really don't have a player with his skills. I mean, he can switch hit, he can catch, he can play everywhere. He's got power, he can run, 
those are all things that you really can't find in a player. So it, I think it's going to be interesting to see how he's utilized and, and whether he sticks around or whether they use him to, to make a trade. I've been saying to Maddie for a while now that because I, I I've always liked him too. Dave is actually Blake Swihart's second agent, I believe. He's been I mean he's been all over this this week, Mike. It's so funny yeah. um, because he is uh, versatile. He gives you that a really a third catcher if he's not even going to be the second catcher. That if you want to pinch hit for your catcher, you still have one if something happens. A guy gets one off the thumb or whatever. He can play first base. You know, I if I had my druthers. I would have not signed Moreland and, and played Swihart at first. I mean, I know you're expecting your first baseman to be a certain kind of a hitter, but no, those days kind of have passed us by. I think you're looking for people that are versatile, that can play a couple of places, and, and especially a switch hitter. Yeah, I, I think that uh, the wrench thrown in there is Hanley is going to play first, and Moreland's kind of the backup, um, which he's really not a great – bench player because he can only play for his base and uh, maybe a little outfield at times. But I agree with you with Swihart. And, uh, again, things can happen. We've seen it many times before. If something doesn't work out, you know, if Eduardo Nunez isn't healthy, if, if he goes down, I, I really think Swihart could be the guy that gets a chance even over Brock Holt. So, But I do agree with you. I think the utility guys changed. We've seen that here a lot. I know in the last probably – Five to six years, I've seen more guys play other positions in the minors than I ever have, which is smart. It, it didn't make sense at times just to play some of these guys at one position when they were blocked. And now I think that they're, they're even moving the prospects around and, and letting them play other positions just to make them more valuable. I think you just need to have a lot of versatility. I, I do think one little hole with the Red Sox, I, I just think they're starting rotation the back end. If they have two injuries to start the year, I, there's just not a lot of depth there, and, and that's a spot we'll see if they add somebody. But um, I just don't think that that's a strong part to their game right now if it's Brian Johnson and Hector Velasquez as your four and five. Yeah, I, that was going to be my next question is what are we going to do for a fourth and fifth starter? By the way, Mookie Betts comes to mind when you talk about people moving and to another position and what did he play, about three games in the outfield before they, the Red Sox moved him up and put him in the outfield? many at all and I, yeah. you know, I know they tried that with Bogarts I think that was kind of what they wanted to do with him instead of signing Sandoval but he didn't really sign off on doing that and that created that whole hole there which I understand certain guys don't want to do it uh, Mookie was just from a lot of his teammates just too athletic to play second base and I, I still think that's kind of undervalued at how great he's played in the outfield <laughs> considering he really hasn't played a lot of time out there just it shows how special he is, but yeah, it, it will be interesting to see what the Red Sox do. I mean, I thought Arietta Arietta was too much for them. Uh, will they take a flyer on someone at the end of spring training? And they could, and it might not cost them a lot. But I, I don't see them go honestly starting Hector Velasquez in that five spot. He, to me, he's not a big league starter, and um, we'll see. You know, Pomerantz and, and someone else gets healthy, but they need to start the year. I mean, you'd like to see pretty good, healthy. Uh, rotation and right now it just isn't yeah especially since they want to cut back on how many how many days rest sale gets so that he's a little stronger at the end of the year yeah not going to be able to do that if you're already short when you start the season yeah and i don't know if chris sale wants to do that i mean that's a i know that was a big talk in the off season um 
and I've talked to some of our trainers about that, and they just say that's a tough thing to manage to, to shut shut them down a little bit and then ramp them up uh, later in the year. And, and you might want to do that earlier in the year, but uh, well, yeah, we'll see. I, I like the Yankees a lot, and, and Maddie, I know that makes you happy. Yeah. Geez, <laughs> don't get him! Don't get him started. Come on, Mike. I will. Do I, not I get him started. Their rotation's a lot better than people think, and I've seen this firsthand. They have. Um, it seems like a thousand players waiting in the wings. That this could be a very special group for a long time. I know Red Sox fans don't want to hear that, but we've seen them come through here in Trenton for four or five years, and it, it really is crazy what they're doing right now. And uh, their farm system and their scouts deserve a lot of credit because they hit on a lot of these guys that they drafted. You know, that's a really that, that's one thing that I, I I did want to mention, and of course, it scares the hell out of me that everybody you know looks at the Yankees as like you know the team because that usually means somebody's getting injured or somebody's going to play poorly. You know, that's just basically how that how that goes. You know, whatever. But I'll it, it's fine. I'll I'll take that. I think one through five, I, I think they're pretty decent. Um, Jordan Montgomery, after being down last year, I think last year he kind of hit that rookie wall. I think yeah. you can do a lot worse in, in your in your in your five hole, that's for sure. So we'll we'll see what they do this year. Um Dylan Batansis looks really good. You know, speaking of the bullpen on things, um, because I've been watching a lot of the the Yankees spring training stuff, also watching some of the uh Watching some of the uh, the Red Sox stuff and everything like that, Carson Smith's starting to look pretty good. I, I think yeah. this bullpen's going to be a hell of a lot better for the Red Sox this year. That I think uh, people need to remember that your your Thornburg, your Smith, those guys are coming back. And I know most of the time we're like, oh, well, they're coming back. Well, they're they're coming back, and that's that's going to be a, a big, big, big help for for the back end of that bullpen. And the bullpen was good last year. I yeah. Think. Yes. And, you know, now it gets even better. I mean, they're really deep, and you know, I mean, there was a lot of chatter that the Red Sox basically came back with the same team and I, I disagree with that a lot because you had a lot of guys that that were on your team that didn't play you know David Price was one but I mean you can't downplay Carson Smith and Tyler Thurnborg I mean those two guys you could argue were two of the best uh, late inning guys in the game I mean Thornburg was unbelievable with the Brewers Smith was I think he did you know with through metrics had the top five season before he was with the Red Sox and then that just pegs everybody down. And when you go, I always like to start backwards and go from the closer backwards. you got some guys that can really throw in that back end, and, and you saw what happened to Brandon Workman. He came on, and, and, and now bullpens are constructed where you used to have two guys that were kind of the take-it-for-the-team guys when the starter blew up. They don't carry guys like that anymore. I mean, even Hembry, he throws 96, 97. They're mm-hmm. pretty loaded, seven or eight guys. And they have uh, some pretty good depth there. So I, I like what they've done. And other guys can emerge. You know, you're going to have starters that are going to become relievers in the minors that are going to be able to throw harder. And we've got a few guys that could possibly do that. And, and I do. I, I think the Red Sox and Yankees have very intriguing bullpens. And I think we're going to see some really interesting uh, late-inning games. And, you know, speaking of pace of game, with teams having so many bullpen guys, I think that's why games can go longer is because you have better options where five, six years ago, and when I grew up, you didn't have – you had maybe a one or two guys that were good at the end. I mean, now it's – you've got to have four or five, and uh, the Yankees and Red Sox certainly put that together. You, I was just about to make that point. When, when the Yankees went to, the, went to that big three model, when they had Miller and, and Chapman and Batances, who they had, you know, for mm. a few months, okay – 
That was one of those deals where everybody's like, oh, that's great. But the problem was if you use them one night and then you use them the next night, you're probably not going to be able to use all of them on, on night three. When the Yankees went out last year and, and they got Robertson, who, who helped quite a bit. Yeah. And then they, they added, you know, to that. And, and, you know, even Tommy Canely, you know, to a point, you know, you, you're right. It, the, you need to have four, five, six guys down in that bullpen. One, you need at least two that can close if they have to. Or you yep. get your, your, your closer and your backup closer. And then you need guys that can come in and, and take care of situations in the fifth, sixth, seventh inning. I really think the way that the Indians used uh, Andrew Miller a couple of years ago in the playoffs has really changed the way the game is. And that's what's making these games longer because now you're seeing guys go to the bullpen earlier. A lot of people will blame it on Tony La Russa back when he used to do it back in the day. And that probably started it. But I think here in the last three years, you're going to see more of it. And you're right. The be- the the more uh, uh, guys in, in a team's bullpen and the better options they have, the more of these games are going to go late, late, late. And you're going to hear people talk about Major League Baseball games late. And they're going to talk about them the same way they do talk about NBA games where they're like, boy, they just take so many timeouts in the last couple minutes. It's yeah. kind of going to be that same deal because you're going to have so many pitching changes here, there, and everywhere. So you wonder if that changes up a little bit. But boy, that's... You're going to see a lot of chess matches this year between Alex Cora and Aaron Boone. Look at what Kansas City did several years ago. Yeah, I mean, their bullpen was the reason they won, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and baseball always seems to have these things that are obvious, and you think, well, why didn't anyone do this before? <laughs> and then it takes somebody. But both what you guys said, the Kansas City lights out with their guys. You know, they brought Wade Davis over, made him a reliever, and found out he could throw 98. Uh, what Cleveland did with the way they worked Andrew Miller it makes sense, and Alex Cora talked about it. And I think it's kind of an obvious thing. You have to have the players to do it, though. If you have Stanton, Sanchez, and Judge batting in the eighth or seventh inning, you know why not bring in Kimbrel there? Because the game might not matter in the ninth inning. But you have to, again, for the way these lineups, I think the, the way the lineups are constructed now, the guys are better. Teams are finding a way to construct better bullpens. You know, they're, they're making guys throw harder in the minors. They're drafting guys that they can make relievers. And you're just seeing that trend, and now that you can bring in guys in the sixth inning. I mean, Tommy Canely, 10 years ago, might close, and now he's the sixth inning guy. And uh, it's, I think it's great. I, I really do. I mean, I like that part of the game. I like that it's changed. I like that you have so many guys in your bullpen that, are, that can be eighth-inning guys. It basically... You're basically stacking seven guys that are either closers or eighth-inning guys, and then you have one lefty. That's become the trend, and it can really compensate if you don't have great starters. And I like it. I think it's a different brand of baseball, and I think fans enjoy it because they do like seeing the radar guns go to 98 and 100 miles an hour. Chicks dig the long ball, and they also dig triple-digit fastballs, from what yeah, I hear. I think when you, know? you see Kimbrell come out and, and Chapman and those guys, I do think it's exciting. and. Yeah. Pitching cannot be exciting, especially relievers. I mean, really one position, closers. But but I think now if you can bring those guys in early and uh, watch them throw, and uh, it's really remarkable. I mean, I, I think the whole game's gotten better in this era. I mean, just to see what these guys can do, especially pitchers, and, and see how guys now can turn on 98. It's just constant adjustments, and um, I, I just I think the game's healthier than ever. I think it's younger which we saw that trend a few years ago, and I, I think it's a better product having younger players in the big leagues, and these guys are making huge difference in big markets in their, in their you know, low 20s. Mike, tell us about the uh, some hope for the future, because I think, as you say, the used to be when, when Theo was here, our, our farm system was 
what everybody wanted to be. And now it's a little depleted. But tell us there's some hope for the future here. Yeah, I, I think it's tough. You know, I think um, I think Ben Charrington did a terrific job putting his foot down. And, you know, there were a lot of people that wanted Bogarts and Betts and Jackie. And you know, Jackie was struggling, and he refused to trade a lot of those guys. And it, it does get to a point, too, where you can't keep all these guys either because sure. they have to be protected on the 40-man. There's, there's only so much room. I think Dave Dombrowski's done a good job of trading guys where they're, they're duplicate guys, like Emmanuel Margot is not going to play in that outfield. You know, I think they felt Travis Shaw was not going to play ahead of Devers, and you could argue, well, he could have played first base. But I do think there's some guys that maybe we don't know of that have a chance to, to go up and be part of this team. You know, Sam Travis can hit. If you look at some hitters that will be in AAA, Jeremy Barfield was a great story last year. Uh, Jalen Beeks, um, yeah. Bobby Pointer. There, there's some guys that you that, – that are, are there, um, but you, you can't constantly have organizational depth. At some point you need to move on from guys because the, the rules just don't allow you to keep them. So I know Dave's trading a lot of guys, but I think he's done it to, and certainly replenished. I mean, you got Sale and, um, and Kimbrell, you know, for a lot of prospects, and, and that's a back-end guy and a, and a number one starter. So I'm okay with those kind of deals. Talking with Mike Antonellis, he is the voice of the Portland Sea Dogs. Um, been watching a lot of Rick Porcello this spring. Um, still struggling with the first inning. The other day wasn't really helped by some uh, Raphael Devers defense. It didn't allow him to turn a double play. How has uh, has Devers been uh, it been progressing defensively? I know that was one concern a lot of folks had. And are there any concerns about him at all? Because sometimes these guys, and you've seen it a lot, Mike, where guys come up, they do well, and then they they kind of almost have that little step back year. And, uh, and and it can we sometimes forget about that. So, like, wh- what are the thoughts on him thus far from from folks around the organization? Right, do they like the way things are going? And uh, does he seem to be progressing and trending well? Yeah, I think so. And but I think what you pointed out is is very true. And and with there, there's always plus and minuses. And when, when younger guys, especially twenty twenty one, when they go to the big leagues, they are going to be up and down like the stock market at times. You know, Mookie. Had a, I know a tough year last year, hitting 264, but he was still very productive. The, the, you know, after that first year is tough because guys really adjust to you. But the defense certainly is a concern. I think Alex Cora has been pretty open about that, and that's going to be a position that he's going to need to improve. And I think Carlos Sable is going to the big leagues, who is a very good instructor teaching defense. I mean, he he worked with Zue Lin a lot last year, and I've seen Zue play third base at a high level. Uh, he's got much better hands endeavors, and that's something he's going to have to work on because it's just the speed of the game in the big leagues. is just something he's not seen uh, in a while. But that is going to have to improve, guys. I mean, I think you, we all know that because up there, if you're not making a play or two and some of those plays don't show up as errors, and I don't know what they would do, you know, down the road. Um, but I, I think they do like how he's gotten a lot better. You know, he had some really stru- uh, bad struggles in Salem. But I think having Carlos there is a good mentor and, and Alex Cora as well. But, um, you know, Cora's not been shy about talking about that defense and, and, and getting better because it has to. Talking with Mike Antonellis, he's the voice of the Portland Sea Dogs. Mike, Mike, what's your sense of second base until Pedroia's back? What it, they, There was talk that it was going to be maybe Nunez, but he's still – Hobbled a little bit, as my understanding. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think he's going to be okay. I know he's not playing a lot, but um, that was a good move from them, and they didn't have to, to give up too much for him. I know Marco Hernandez is still hurt, but I think they have good options in case something happens. I think Lynn can play there. I know that they had Swihart taking some ground balls, but and also Brock Holt. So if Nunez were to go in the DL, I, I think you'd probably see Brock Holt play there or maybe Lynn, and uh, you know, hopefully Nunez can play because he didn't look good at the end of the last year, and he didn't have surgery, which shows that you know wasn't that bad, not a lot of structural damage, but. That guy's pretty good. He's had some yeah. really good years in the big leagues. And, and to lose Dustin Pedroia and have Nunez, who has hit 300 in the big leagues, as a backup, that's really good for that offense. And he could be one of those surprise guys that kind of off the radar that, that has a good start until uh, Pedroia comes back. The um, I, I got to tell you, I've been I've been loving the uh, the blogs you've been doing this off season with the uh, with the. Uh, the all-time Sea Dogs teams and stuff like that. This yeah. is this is this has been some great stuff, especially the Charles Johnson stuff. For those that you know oh, weren't know. A, maybe aren't old enough to remember when the Sea Dogs started, and my God, does it pain me to say you might not be old enough to remember when the Sea Dogs started, but you know what? I will go ahead and say it. When when that came out, Charles Johnson was the guy, and I remember when the Marlins won the World Series a few years later. I was rooting for the in '97. I was rooting for the Marlins as hard as I'd rooted for anybody because it was like watching your hometown team win because you watched all these players play. And boy, Charles Johnson was among the best, uh, and and still been some pretty good catches that have come through here, and uh, all sorts of uh, all sorts of players. You must this uh, this seems like it's right up your alley because it's it's really it seems like a fun thing to to get through and start ranking these guys because there's some really good names on this on these lists for every position. uh, Chris Cameron in our office helped he put that together with the Portland Press Herald and and putting the yeah it was fun putting the ballots together and then. You know, I wanted to do a more extensive uh, blog on each position, and just just so people can read about some of the players too, and and you know, if they're debating on what guy to vote for, and, and hopefully it can help a little bit. But I just thought it was a good thing to put out there, and we, we've been very fortunate. You know, I was not here for the Marlins years, but to have them as an affiliate and have the Red Sox, and, and still there's alumni, not only players but coaches in the in the uh, Marlins system. And, you know, I, one thing I've learned here, and, and this isn't the case, and I'm not just making this up, and, you know, other cities, if you're not aligned with a regional uh, big league team, that the interest isn't there. But I've noticed here there's a lot of people who, who love the Marlins still and, and going with the Pirates. Uh, they haven't had the Bruins, and there's a lot of fans that have been fans of that NHL affiliate, and I still see jerseys worn by uh, fans around here. So that's really been a good thing that, the fans here still talk about those Marlins years. They love when we wear teal, and and it's it's neat because you can put different fan bases. And you have Marlins fans up in Maine, which you know, who would have thought? I guess it ties in nice with the Snowbirds too. Well, yeah, it totally <laughs> does. You know, and, the, and then they can have their American League team and their National League team. Yeah. You know, I mean, everybody wins in that aspect of it. You know, like it's yeah. Little... And I'm a big Marlins guy now because Arnie Baylor is the AAA manager, and and you know, Arnie's a good friend of mine, and. A lot of Red Sox people have followed him over there, and there's actually some Pawtucket uh, Red Sox front office people working for the AAA team because uh, they bought that team in New Orleans. So there's a lot of Red Sox influence there, and uh, Glenn Gaffney, who worked as a Red Sox broadcaster, is one of the broadcasters for the Marlins. So it's just one of those organizations, and, and they've had a lot of, obviously, the horrible tragedy that happened there. And um, But, yeah, it's a team you root for, and it's nice to see that Charles Johnson still a 
huge part of our uh, franchise and our tradition. Talk with Mike Antonellis of the Portland Sea Dogs. Mike, I will let you get back to your snow day. Thank you very much. We had to get warmed up today. I'm like, I got to talk oh, yeah. baseball today. He's been like, going yeah. stir crazy. Yeah, this is this is ridiculous. Like this was just enough for me. Yeah, it is. It is awful. And um, you know, there's a lot of exhibition baseball too. So I think the games are free on MLB.com. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I've, well, I've already, I already renewed my MLB TV subscription. Like it already, it auto renews every year. So I'm already, I'm already fired up. So you I think can. this afternoon, I think this, I think the Yankees are on this afternoon. I think I'm going to go and watch yeah. that and start getting ready. And I'll wait anxiously for my annual Sea uh, Dogs media credentials thing, and uh, and then media day will be right around the corner. And I'm looking forward to that too. So, yeah, Maddie, did you not? I did send it out. Did you not get it? I haven't got it yet. So. Okay. I will. Right, I'll, I'll work on that. I did send it. I'm, I wonder if you're not on our mailing list. Uh oh. Uh oh. That's weird. I'm usually on every mailing list. Yeah. If I'm not, please add me. So <laughs> I will add you right now. All right, man. We'll Thanks, talk guys. to you soon. Thank you. Yep. Take care. That is Mike Antonellis. He is the voice of the Portland Sea Dogs, and you can catch him here on the B list uh, week. To, uh, weekly during the baseball season and of course you can catch portland sea dogs baseball on sports time maine am 780 and on 96.9 am 1450 the mighty ox